Brr, it's cold in here. What better time to discuss the worldwide phenomenon, Disney's 2013 mega hit, Frozen. Theme song guy. On this podcast, we let it go. Because Hakuna Matata and the bare necessities will always be our guide to infinity and beyond. All it takes is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. We know that life is better under the sea. Because on this podcast, we do Disney. Hi there. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Kelly Meehan, and welcome to this episode of Doing Disney. It is the middle of winter here in Australia, so what better time to talk about the 2013 smash hit, Frozen. I'm joined today by my extra special guest. It's the matriarch, Adelaide Spence. How are you today? I'm not sure if any of you non-Australians out there understand this, but it's like 100 plus degrees where Kelly's at, so this is just like, (laughs) it's like drinking a nice, cool glass of water in the middle of Antarctica. Not, I, I can't imagine what it's like there. Start at the beginning. Frozen, released in 2013, directed by Chris Buck and Jennifer Lee, starring Kristen Bell as Anna, Idina Menzel as Elsa, Jonathan Groff as Kristoff, Josh Gad as Olaf, and Santina Fontana as Hounds. Elsa has been gifted magical ice powers, and while one evening playing with her sister Anna, accidentally injures her with a blast of ice. Anna is healed by Grand Pabi, leader of the Rock Trolls, but has her memories of the incident removed and Elsa attempts to control her powers and is isolated from Anna. Their parents pass away while at sea and Elsa is crowned Queen of Arendelle. As the kingdom gathers for the coronation, Anna bumps into Prince Hans of the Southern Isles and falls instantly in love with him, saying yes to his marriage proposal. When she tells Elsa, they do have a disagreement, resulting in Elsa unintentionally displaying her magic, causing panic and confusion and Elsa to flee the kingdom, leaving it in an eternal winter. Anna endeavours to find Elsa, gathering allies Kristoff, Sven and Olaf along her journey. When they find her, Elsa is happy, having let all her fear and worry go, transforming herself and building a new home for her to feel safe and free. However, when Anna informs her that Arendelle is in trouble, Elsa becomes worried and accidentally lashes out at Anna, freezing her in her heart. Returning to the rock trolls, she is informed only an act of true love can save her. When she seeks out Hans, it is revealed he does not return Anna's affections and has been in Arendelle to seek a kingdom of his own. Having become a hero in the eyes of the kingdom, he attempts to kill Elsa, but Anna steps in front and freezes completely. This is an act of true love and the spell is reversed and Hans is sent back to the Southern Isles and Arendelle becomes a happy home for Elsa, Anna, Kristoff, Sven and Olaf. The film won the Academy Award for Best Animated Picture and Best Original Song for Let It Go. Tale as old as time. Adelaide, how did you come to the film? Did you see it in theatre or did you come to it later? I, I, was, of, I was a perfect age for this. 14 years <laughs> old. Uh, <laughs> where I was like, oh, princess films are stupid. I don't need this. I think it was like, I think it was like a family member's birthday or staying with them for Christmas or something. It's like, let's go watch Disney. I'm like, uh, okay. Um, and then I, the second I, I got out of the theater, I immediately downloaded like half the soundtrack to my little iPod Nano. And I would walk around high school a little bit in shame uh, listening to it. But I, I feel better now. I'm more confident. Like, I like this movie. And I don't need to be like ashamed, ashamed, ashamed about it. Absolutely not. This movie is amazing. I really like it. I need to set the scene as well. It's 2013. I'm living overseas. And I finally found the movie theatre, because from 2009 to 2012, I didn't see anything in in theatre unless I was travelling, unless I came back to Australia or went to Singapore. So 2013 was like a big year of movies for me. Anything that came out, we went and saw it. And I had definitely been off the Disney track for a little while because we had um, Princess and the Frog in 2009, Tangled 2010, um, Wreck-It Ralph in 2012, and I didn't see any of them until getting back on the bandwagon of 2012 because I was really interested in Wreck-It Ralph. Being a video game lover, I'm like, this sounds really cool. I want to see it. And then I watched Tangled and fell in love with that as well. So I was ready for Frozen. I didn't see any of the promotional materials, didn't know what it was going to be about, just rocked up and loved it. Because the other thing is, at this time, I was still really wary about 3D animation in Disney. I'm a traditionalist, like I love my traditional hand-drawn animation and I've been burned in the 2000s with Chicken Little and Meet the Robinsons and everything. So seeing the 3D. Yeah, yeah, I'm going there. No. (laughs) That's, but that's what it was like for me. I'm like, 
3D animation in Disney is not matching until I saw Tangled and Wreck of Ralph. And I'm like, okay, this is where we're going now. And I'm I'm enjoying it more. And because it was those more back to the musical elements as well of the Renaissance Disney that I've grown up with. So it was it was the Renaissance for the new generation, which I was feeling. I the Meet the Robinson slander is a little much. Uh <laughs> In 2007, it just wasn't the thing. Like, it, it was disappointing at the time. I think it's a fine film. But for a big Disney release, I remember being at the time just being like, this is not, this is not happening. I, I might be hung up, the, hung up with this on the whole episode. We'll see. Uh, I, 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 think, <laughs> I think just like, and my whole thing is like, a, a big caveat for me, especially for, for films I saw growing up, like in high school, is like, you know, you know being raised like very like traditionally male, masculine. I was I was in sports basically every year I could walk, like I just mm. like the whole the the culture of it. I just Disney, especially princess films, just sort of flew over my head, and mm. I don't know. I I wish I could say what I felt watching this movie back then because it's been like almost ten years. Oh yeah, but yeah, <laughs> I, I just like it works and. I don't know. I felt weird. I'm also like a big Oscars nerd, so I was like following it, and it was just like, oh, everyone's like, oh, Frozen shouldn't win. It should go to like The Wind Rises or uh, Ernest and Celestine or the movie that came out that year. I, like, I don't know, dude. Frozen. Yep. Yep. Good. I mean, it has murder. It's great. It has magic. Uh, <laughs> just like princess stuff. And now I'm just like, no, it's like, I, I we, we we can get into this more later when we get to like the individual characters. But I love Elsa. I love Anna. I think that Kristoff and Sven are like amazing like the, the movie like doesn't really have only has a lot of clear faults if that makes sense and we i think i think we'll get into that more later in terms of like structure but yeah it's just it really works i i understand agree and i had the same reaction whereas i went home for the movie theater and looked up let it go straight away and so those songs is really what made it and i think it's unfortunate that this film gets a lot of backlash now because it did become such a worldwide phenomenon and so I do empathise that if you had kids and you were forced to watch this movie nonstop, how it would start grading on you and wearing you, wearing you down your enjoyment of it a bit. I do really understand that point. But for me, I still, watching it the other day, I think this is still an amazing film. It's still maybe not like the absolute top two Disney, but it's up there. Like it's got a great story. It's got great characters and great songs. It's really, it's a, it's a modern classic to me. Seriously, I think... I mean, we're living in a world where, like, Encanto is still, like, like don't uh, we don't talk about Bruno, it's still one of the biggest songs on the radio currently. Yes. But you don't yeah. hear parents complaining about that. I, like, I, I know a few <laughs> parents, and, 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 like, even my partner, like, they watch Encanto almost, like, non-stop. <laughs> so the fact that, for, that it's not getting the backlash that Frozen is, I think, is a little wild, because, like, I, I don't think Encanto's better, but it's, I don't, it's, I, it's like, the, the slack thrown towards Frozen feels a little bit more gendered and cliched. And I think that's yeah. like, that's like, it's, it's such a thing I noticed I more at the time where people just like, I don't like it because it's princess and for girls. And sure. I think that co colored a lot of perception about the film up until like relatively recently. Fantastic point. It's my favorite part because you'll see. Uh, Spence, what's your favorite scene of the film? Okay. Um, <laughs> I have a couple. Um, I think the big one is like I think the the, the fight at Elsa's castle is really engaging, and, and I think it, ele it elevates from I don't know if it'll, if it'll be on your list, but where mm -hmm. Elsa's first casted out from the village, where she she like she sees herself as the monster, and as she builds the castle, it's like you know what I'm just myself, and then the fight comes and she and she sees the looks at everyone else's faces as they try to kill her, where she's like no I am the monster and I am the problem. And I think just that level of like Quasimodo esque kind of thing of like, oh, yeah. like I am deformed, I am ugly, of just like I think that is just like I love the arc. Again, I I could I could go on. I just I love I love visual storytelling through characters' emotions. It's so hard to do an animation, it's so well done here. And like I know this is a weird point to bring up for that, but it's the colours that really draw me into that scene as well. It's all these, because it's in the Ice Palace, so you're getting all these beautiful translucence and all her powers showing. So I love, like, these um, pinky blues you're getting in that scene that really heighten it all. So And with the um, 
with the two guards from Weasleton <laughs> attacking her as well. Yeah, it's it's fantastic scene. What's your other choice? Here's the, it fits into a couple. I'll I'll, I'll sit on it because I think it, I think it bleeds into okay. two of the other categories later that I want to like emphasize that more. Like I think this movie has like it's gonna sound weird. I think this movie has has more worst scenes than best scenes because I think the general quality of the film doesn't rise a lot, where it's just pretty high consistently. I think it definitely drops, but it's good is like constantly great. That's true. There's not a lot of like peaks and valleys. There's not a lot of moments I'm sitting there going like, oh, this can move along or this could have been cut. Like I'm really just in it the whole way through, which surprises me every time. I expect to like it a little less every time I watch it, but I don't. I'm still really in it. Uh, I've got two scenes. I like the scene at the coronation with the sisters interacting really awkwardly, but then bonding over chocolate. I'm always someone who likes those little character moments. So I started the movie before any conflict happens. So like in Fellowship of the Ring, when people are just chilling in the Shire, I love that. That is my favourite part of the film. I just like seeing everyone be a little bit happy before all the bad things start happening. And we've had Do You Want to Build a Snowman and that heartbreaking montage with the parents passing away and Anna um, being emotionally neglected and feeling on her own. So to see them, I like that they didn't just have them be buddy-buddy straight away. Like, it was awkward. Anna was awkward to talk to Elsa, and I love that because you're really seeing how that relationship has been a little bit fractured. And you've got to remember that Elsa remembers everything that's happened, but Anna doesn't. So just to know things that we know that the characters don't is always interesting. And so they have those little meetings and they go, oh, chocolate it's just it's cute that they built it up a little bit before they then tear it apart with the introduction of hans well because like and, and like like anna is always searching for that connection but it's just like they had not seen each other for like like 10 11 12 how many years it's been like it's been a long i don't know how that dynamic works yeah, yeah. i don't know the logistics of the film because you just i don't know that you could just live in your own room for 11 years i don't think that's that's what was happening but it's like it's still like it's that immediate reconnection of like they they're still sisters. It's like they still care about each other, and it isn't like strangers meeting. It's like they have that and a click, and they're back to childhood. Yeah. And it's just so sweet to see them be able to reconnect so quickly because they are because they mean that much to each other. Yeah. So I think it's like a, an important story point before we get in. So then we know why Anna's like, this is my sister. She's not going to hurt me. I'm going to go after her because we've been able to see them rebond a little bit. And then I love, love, love the scene where um, Anna finds Elsa in her ice palace. So just a little bit before the scene you were saying with the fight. Um, I try so hard not to pick songs as the best scene, but because yeah. it's the 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 reprise of it all, like with the for the first time of when they're singing it, and I always love when you're just changing the lyrics to suit whatever scene it is, and it's that real traditional musical theatre moment of the characters singing their two different viewpoints at the same time, but in beautiful harmony. And I'm the same. I'm going to save all my praise for Elsa and Adina Menzel later, but the vocal work she is doing here is insane it is so good so I, I love that moment that's always the one that gives me the chills that's so, that's the song that i forgot about going into this really i i, Absolutely. It in, I think like three or four years at this point and i was just like oh i forgot i i, I know this is oh deep 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 snow whatever but i forgot mm. the whole prelude up to it and I, I i do love like the reprise is more than just thematic it's like it's we're seeing that these characters relationships have changed now that Anna knows about her powers again, and that reconnection of like, hey, you like you didn't kill anyone, but like everything's sort of messed up right now. We could we could really love your help, and Elsa's like, I don't know, I don't, I, I don't think I'm good, ready for that. I think Go Anna sings, um, please don't shut the door, and the way Kristen Bell says it, it's like, please don't shut the door, like it just goes down, and oh, you can just feel Anna's heartbreaking and when she just wants to reach out and connect with Elsa but as you were saying Elsa sees herself as this monster at this time and is just hand up back away you know we can't be together I'm where I am now leave me be so it's though that those differing viewpoints throughout the film is what really makes it for me I was I just remembered another scene that I forgot to mention um and it's just a really small thing but it's Elsa's coronation but specifically it's like the second he, uh, the like the priest or whatever finishes, like, hey, you're the queen. She 
throws the, the instruments or whatever back and just throws her gloves back on. Where she's like, nope, I'm not, yeah. no one can see this. And just like that shame and that like no one can see who I am. It's just, it's done so beautifully. You ain't never had a friend like me. That is a great segue into a favorite characters. I think we're just going to have to touch on the five main leads. Like this is one where it's very like these are your lead characters here. So let's go with Alex. Like, she's by far my favorite. Oh, I think she's a very strong number two. Uh, <laughs> really? So Anna's your number one? Nope. Ooh, tell me, who's your number one favorite character in the film? Hans. Okay. Do you want to circle um, back? Or you can touch sure. on it? You know, yeah, you go, you go ahead first then. Let's go with Elsa, because as I said, she's by far my favorite character. You get more of Anna. I would call her the main protagonist. But everything that is happening is happening because of Elsa and the journey she's going on within herself. So I just empathize with this character so very much. First of all, I appreciate that we get a somewhat older character, a somewhat mature, mature character. Like at the time, you know, we may make fun of Ariel where I love him, I'm 16, Daddy, you know, and that's more the other side of it all. But Elsa's has to be queen, has to be secure within herself, which is very funny because she's been a little bit stunted in her growth, having to be so secluded. So it's really funny. And it's what Idina Menzel, I think, really brings to it is that somehow she still brings warmth in her voice to Elsa, where that could be a very stereotypical, cold, closed off character. But when she's speaking with Anna, she's, she's got soft, warm tones which really, I think, makes the character and gives it that three-dimensional uh, aspect. What are your thoughts on Elsa? I, I'm going to say this with someone who has no experience. Um, I think that like, <laughs> the, the way that they really made this, like they, 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 they fantasy-sized, fantasy-sized, whatever, the, like, the way that sisters perceive each other, like older and younger, of like Elsa, mm. the older sister, like, had to mature. She had to sort of close herself off and make all the right decisions and do the best thing possible to like, like to the, to the future of her family. And Anna got, had the chance to be stupid, had the chance to make mistakes. She, had the she was able to fall in love immediately and like risk everything for it because she doesn't have the weight of the kingdom on her hands. And I think that the way that is shown through Elsa, of the way that she is so closed off from everyone, even Anna for most of the film, where, she's not, where she can't trust them because she always sees everything as like, she needs to secure the safest option for whatever it is in her life, whether it's herself or her kingdom, or again for Anna, how do I make, how do I make the safest choice? And that's all oh, become queen. And when everyone knows I can't risk their lives, I need to get away. And I just, it's, you don't see a Disney character go through that kind of, I think self-sacrifice or that genuine fear very often. It's just, it's so, so, so good. I, I'm talking myself into liking the movie more the more I think about it. <laughs> Fantastic. But you're absolutely right. It's like that inner turmoil. Sometimes we don't get with our protagonists. Sometimes they're just good for the sake of doing good or they're on the journey. It's not that uh, inner reflection that they're really having to see or battling with themselves. So I just, yeah, having to be closed off, as you said, doing the right thing all the time. What do you think of the parenting decisions at the start? Because... They explain it more in Frozen 2, I guess, with with why. But I think they it's it's coming from a place of love and they just didn't know what to do with it. And from a, a writing outside the box, not trying to bring it to real life too much, I think it's they're just trying to do their best. What do you think? What are rock trolls? <laughs> How does no one else know about these magical yeah. rock trolls, which also, like, love to sing about? I just, I don't. It's so confusing to me, like their their existence, and it's like, to, to me that's like the worst part of the movie is just them, where it's I think I think like the, again I love the base of the story, of like mm. one sister has harmed the other, and while she doesn't remember anything about it, the 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 magic one has to sit there, and just take the fact that not only did she almost kill the person that she loves most in her life, no one else can know who she truly is, and then there's rock trolls where they're like yeah I can't fix it, or I can fix it this time, but not next time. Because body parts are different. Like how... I just it breaks the realism of it just a little bit. So is that just like the one element too far for it? Oh, no, I, I think 100%. I, I think like they're the biggest fault in this movie. Whereas I think that you could like... the This is going to be a weird transition. I think of like this movie reminds me a lot of the X-Men series. Where I think that you're able to tell like these very 
honest and deep and human emotional stories and the turmoil a lot of us go through through like this magical realism and then you get the dark phoenix saga where it's like you just go up and beyond and you focus more on like the fantasy storytelling versus the the emotional human one and the dark phoenix here is the rock trolls where it's like they have no they have no purpose in this they they distract from the storytelling because of this basis of and even like like viewing it from the parents' decision, like yes, parents are perfect. Going back to the content which you mentioned recently, like the fact that sure. the parents' decision is not you made a mistake, let's learn from it. Is you made a mistake, never do this again. Yeah. You're gonna never see anyone again. Like that is so hard, and like that would that would mess you up mentally. And it, oh, absolutely. I mean, also came out of this was able to like exist as a human being. Good. It's just functioning and somewhat I, normally. <laughs> If I was locked in a room for 10 years and was just sad the whole time, I probably would end up like an actual just like worm, just like hiding and just hide. Like just, I would be Bruno. I'd be in the wall. Good <laughs> for her. Uh, let's touch on Anna because I find both the female leads fantastic. And I really appreciate how people have flocked to Anna. I've seen like a lot of people really relate to this character because I think people have been waiting for a Disney princess that was more relatable and not poised and perfect all the time. Anna's goofy and Anna's got flaws and she's a bit clumsy and she snores and drools and doesn't always say the right thing. So I think people really love this character and she does bring a lot of a lot of joy to the film. And it's really sad what she's gone through um, as she just wants to have fun and connect with people. So to have been secluded for the majority of her life and she doesn't know why that would just be really hard to go through so you can see how hans very callously says um she's just been desperate for love and connection and to live a free life what are your thoughts on anna i think there's a tendency when writing especially like modern characters of like i think studios have this idea of we need to update our films we don't want like the traditional princess anyway we want to have someone who's deep with it and then they i think they just go i think that's their only goal like that is that is the character nothing beyond that and they just like let's make her relatable and that's her whole shtick and i think anna understands that and i, I think her, how she's created works beyond that point well like, yes she's relatable and like my, my favorite part of like her she's like a, such a small scene where she wakes up with like with the bed head and it is absolutely just, it's, it's, it's i don't know why it's just like the way the hair is animated i'm just like yeah i get it it, it looks yeah cool. it's like, oh, the animation is so good um, but then, then again, she still she still makes these mistakes. She still falls into that classical, oh, I'm gonna fall in love with someone the first day I meet them, whatever. And how like when, when her and Kristoff uh, are escaping, escaping the wolves, she just sets on the fire and throws it, like <laughs> pure chaos, while also sacrificing everything because she's like she's an imperfect character who makes mistakes and learns from them. And you know, she she just feels like a character who's fully realized, and I do, like, I do yes. think that she's created a little bit from like a marketing relatable perspective, but she still has elements of depth. I think especially a lot of animated characters don't get. Yeah, and Kristen Bell is just one of those really relatable voices. Such a good casting choice for this. She really just takes Anna to the next level. I, I like what you said. Like she's chaos. She's she's fiery. Where Elsa is cold. Anna's fiery. It is not nice to throw people. It's great. Or like um oh that's a crazy trust exercise and she just falls. So she's just really that carefree character and, and i think it is a lot of what kristen bell is able to bring to the voice and how they're able to animate it a little bit so yeah this is a great character what about christoph what do you think of our quote romantic lead the just the quintessential himbo uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh he's he's I, he's along for the ride i will say i enjoy him a little bit more in frozen too which is a little bit controversial true um, no i can understand that because you're getting a bit more of his story come yeah, through i think he he is the best version of Prince Philip, which is a character who exists to be hot and romantic, and that's basically it. But he's still fun. He has characteristics, and I love like how he interacts with Sven. Where like that's just his best friend, and and yeah. the voice. He has, I think Jonathan Groff is amazing. Yes. I don't yes. think he's handled a lot to work with, but he he just takes it all and just does everything with it that he can. And I I, I love. Um, like his and Elsa's for or his his and Anna's first interaction, where it's the argument at the at the at the at the, at the winter store with like the mm -hmm. random Swedish dude and his husband, and it's just it's so fun and casual. It's like oh, I'll take this, thanks, bye. 
and then there it's just their whole journey just feels so fun yes while also like i'm like i'm not demanding like this incredible depth i've gone on and on about like how, how incredibly else was written you could have characters who like are not like the best written thing ever and i think john i think, I think groff like elevates what uh Christoph could have been absolutely i'm so happy we got with frozen 2 that he finally got lost in the woods because it's so unfair that we only get radios of better than people with a song. Because I think it is very cute, but to not have Jonathan Groff sing a whole song is a bit of a crime, in my opinion. Yeah, he has sung backup by Reindeer. <laughs> You're a weezer. <laughs> I, I know a handful of people who think that Frozen 2 is like an abomination to cinema. And it's just, I, right? I, and it's just, I love that film so, so much. And, I think I, I, I rewatched it a bunch because one of my partner's favorite films. So seeing like where it all started, I'm like, man, I forgot how like little Kristoff does here as a character. Absolutely. But it, still, like, it made me like the other, like the sequel more, where it's just, I still see like how every action is motivated now. And also, he's yeah. Like, I don't know. I've always, I've always loved reindeer better than people. Like just that whole vibe of just them just hanging out. It's just so sweet. That's what I like about this character. And you see him like at the beginning when he's little as well and he's with with um, Sven and then meets the trolls and whatnot. So then you do get like that bit of gap later. So I appreciate that they put that little small scene in just so that you can see the growth and that you're coming back to this character. Like it's just not come out of nowhere. But I like also that he doesn't just immediately fall for Anna and she doesn't immediately fall for him. Like they have a bit of contentiousness and he questions her in that sled. Like, what do you know about this guy? Are oh, you falling? Like he really is pushing her buttons a little bit more, which I like. You get more of that back and forth. And, and it's not even forced, because, like, you can't even, like, they're not, like, a thing at the end. There is no big reuniting thing mm. of, like, he didn't solve her with true love's kiss or whatever. Like, it's just, like, they're close now, and we'll see where things go. I also, like, you mentioned the beginning of the film, like, he's the first major character that we see. Yeah. And I thought of everything of, like, how comfortable he is, like, going to, going to search for Elsa. So, like, he has been around ice his whole life. Yeah. And also, baby Spanish. It's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> but I 100% I agree because when um when we get the twist bill and I'm like, okay, that's happening. But I'm like, please don't do the traditional uh, solve everything with true love's kiss. Like I was really happy with the way they ended the film that the act of true love was between the sisters. I know that maybe sounds very cliche-ish now, but I still really enjoy it. And I think it is the best solution for the film. I I, I think platonic love is so, like, rare a thing to show so, like, deeply and intensely in film. Where, like, love is, love is like, romance. Or it's, like, like parent and child. Like, these sibling relationships, I don't see, like, I don't see these stories told at all. Even if, like, it not, not even saying, like, this good. Like, I think Elsa and Anna are so, such an incredibly, incredibly written pair of sisters. Ah, oh, 100% agree. Uh, Spence, what are your thoughts on Olaf? Because uh, this is our sidekick character. This is our comedic relief character. I can see how this can grate on people a bit. I still like the character, but it has it's become one of those things that surpassed the film in the sense that like he got his own spin-off and things. Some of the comedy, I think, does hit, but other times I'm like, oh, that's not necessarily. Like the counting down from a minute, I'm like, that's such an old joke. Like we really didn't need that right there. I don't think Olaf missed a joke for me. Uh, Fantastic. <laughs> well, I, I I will say I will plug a smaller film because I watched it this week. Because um, everyone's like, oh, Josh Gad's one note, da da da, whatever. And it was the double feature of this, and I saw him in this 2019 film called Little Monsters, where he plays like this chaotic kids TV show host who also just like really hates kids and just is, and just yells horrible things at them while he's being attacked by zombies. It's so much fun. And I and I realized that like Josh, I think we all, I think we we put Josh Gad in a corner, yeah. Because of this movie, yeah. But Olaf is like he 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 goes in that box for a reason. He was really good in that box. Like I I think Olaf is just like a character who is like blindly opt optimistic. True. And I'll I'll spoil one of my favorite lines because I have a few options. And it's, it's it's just it's the it's the childlike simplicity of oh look at that I've been impaled. <laughs> he has so many lines like that where it's just like, yeah, he has no brain, and I love that for him. 
it does open up those comedic moments so much more and that um uh the one i do really like is when he thinks that christoph's called spin like yeah. that that running gag cracks me up a little bit is good one song i have put one song let's get into the soundtrack because this soundtrack is amazing and like one of the biggest reasons for the success of the film i don't know if i can pick a favorite song we might just need I... to talk about a few so yeah, I'll, I'll i'll throw out my favorite because I, I think for me it's weirdly head and shoulders go i think for the first time in forever is the perfect way to both show like anna's optimism and also give the backstory to like like you like i guess visually through the song you see how isolated elsa is but also anna's just like oh my god look at these plates like yeah. she is just she is so entranced by the world around her. She didn't she didn't know she didn't even know what she was next to. The first time opening up opening up to the city. Like I think like it's on purpose. I think I like the first time in forever just mean like everything is so new to her. And I like seeing this person who again like like traditional Disney princess, whatever, of oh, I love the world, like very very like aerial type. But mm. there's just such a, such a sense of wonder to what was right outside. I think is so captivating because it's not like oh I'm so disconnected. You were right there, you were so close to everything, and you could have loved this for your whole life, but it took ten years, and in this one day you get the joy everyone else has had through their entire time on Earth that we take for granted. Absolutely, that's what I thought as well. I'm like she's just happy about the normalcy, and I do love um, the way they set the songs. This is my absolute closest second. Like this is the one I walked away from the film with "Let It Go" and for the first time in forever. Like yeah. I love the music to it. I love the lyrics, as you said, like with the salad plates and things like that. I love the bit where she um, stand, jumps up and is in front of the, the painting. I think that is such a cool shot. That's so so just, It's great. So they're just letting her be joyful and hopeful and optimistic. And it's that big, nothing's in my way, soaring notes. Let's kick off the film. Yeah, I really like this one i feel like it does get overlooked a lot because it's usually let it go and then people talk a lot about um love is an open door being the first duet with a villain or um do you want to build a snowman gets gets a lot of play as well for being so cutesy but um my i i think we just got to talk about let it go because one of the greatest ballads written for film in the 2010s it's just it's no faults no notes it's phenomenal and and it deserved to be the big worldwide sensation that it was because i remember sitting in the theater it not being busy at all sitting like middle row so no one's around me so it's this snow goes it goes quiet on the mountain tonight and you're just seeing like elsa there so the whole theater's dark and i can just i felt like i was on that mountain with her so the setting the song those big soaring notes the interpretation you can apply from this song to yourself and whatever situation you're going through is so universal. What are your thoughts on this one? The song, you'll respect this. The song is so good. They ripped the scene minute or second by second for the Kingdom Hearts 3 Frozen Land. They sure did. <laughs> they just had Sora, Donald and Goofy walking behind Elsa going, wow! <laughs> I, I think this is one of the things where like, what is there to say? Where... Yeah. This is one of the most iconic moments in culture of the 2010s. It is maybe the biggest Disney song from Disney has ever been. Like it's definitely up there. The animation is perfect. I my my favorite part of it is um how does how does this work? I think it's the the chorus into the I think third verse where she steps on the floor. Stand on the foot, absolutely. And it's just that that's what gets me hyped every time. Like that is the best part of the song because it's beyond just like, oh, we're writing a song to tell us this is like they are into it. It's like it's the picture of the guy playing piano and flames shooting out. Like this is the moment. (laughs) Well, yeah, she's stamping her claim. This is who I am now. This is what I'm gonna be dress change and everything. I do love the dress change and the hair let down as well, because that's like such a good visual metaphor, you know, that she's letting her braid down, letting her hair down, and coming into her own. So absolutely. What are some of the other highlights in the soundtrack for you? 
I'm guessing it's not Fixer Upper because that is my lowest song by far. I, I will I will say a, just a real quick thing. I know this is a very positive show. I think Fixer Upper is like a very fun song in theory, but Homegirl is dying. We don't need a song <laughs> about how like, oh yes, my son can finally get married and have kids, even though they're not related. Why are, why are they so concerned about this human child when he was with humans at the beginning of the movie? Why are the rock trolls concerned with this? But it's a fun, it's a fun enough song. Just not, you know, while she, This is one I really like when um, I'm watching the film. It's not one I've ever like gone on my phone and been like, oh, I'm going to listen to this one now. But when I'm watching it, I'm like, this serves the plot. This is cute. And I like when they changed around to, so she's a bit of a fixer upper and like they're all planning and stuff. Like it's, it's cute. Oh, I'm literally the exact opposite. Or I think I think it works better not connected to this. Like, if, if this was like, I think if this was honestly if this was in Frozen Two, and it was like the pre-wedding song, of like, mm. hey, Anna's a bit distant. Oh, she's been a fixer up or whatever. I think it works better there. Um, yeah. what was it? So again, I said Rangers better than people. Fun, even though it's small. Um, yeah. And again, back to Josh Gad being amazing. In summer is so fun. Yes, this what? big musical theater moment that he has. And. It's, it's, I think it's lame in the movie, but I think beyond it, it's been fun. Where like, I, think it's, I think it's a Disney World where they have the Frozen live show. And, you know, Josh Gad or whoever is singing, like, and it's, oh, I forget the lyric. Maybe you can help me out here. I forget the lyric, but it's like, um, and the summer, like, when, when the sun is here, da, 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 something, and I'll be a happy snowman. snowman. <laughs> Someone's just a puddle. And all the boys just literally just chasing them, like, why did you do that? And they're screaming at them. And it's the funniest thing. It's almost like, you're going to be rude? Okay, I'm going to yell at you. And it's just a fun, it's just a, it's a fun thing to watch happen. Um, and love an open door. I love, again, I love Anna's like blind optimism. And I haven't gotten to talk about it. I'm just Hans just toying with her of like, yeah. this, is, this is a woman who does not know what's happening, what's going on. He plays, like, she is in his hand. And every bit of the song, especially like when you watch back, knowing that he's the villain, every, I think every action he takes is so motivated of like he knows how to get to her. And I think that it's, it's an amazing and very fun song. When you look at it from his perspective, it's haunting in the best way possible. It makes you want to listen to it again. And I just love his vocals as well. His vocals when he hits those big door open notes and like really varies, goes up and down. Like he harmonizes her so well in that song. So good. Um, but also, just you still get those like quirky moments of Anna where it's like we finish each other's sandwiches. That's what I was gonna say. I think that's such a good moment. Oh, Tony Award winner Santino Fontana. I forgot. I want him yeah. in more movies. Like he's really. I reckon. And I wish that he had like more stuff to do. Uh, um, the only one we sort of haven't really touched on is "Do You Want to Be a Snowman?" Because this definitely went viral as well. Because it's good for like cute kids to sing. Like it is, I do appreciate that you get a bit of a song for everyone in the film and you also get the journey throughout their lives as well because it's them growing up through the song and they're building that relationship. Well, they're showing that relationship through the song, which is great. Yeah, it, it, I, think it, I think it's a fun song. It's just one that I haven't gone back. It, it, it's, it's like really short, right? Yeah. Oh, it's, oh, no, it's long. Oh my God. It's like- Two, it's two something? It does yeah. not feel that long, but maybe because yeah. you're getting each moment, you're getting them as like yeah, young girls meeting. I, I actually, you know, I do like that. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit distant from that first one just because it's like, okay, we know what's going to happen, whatever. I think as, as she gets older, I do like seeing like her consistency of like, I really want to be with my sister. I'll keep making the offer, and I, I do. Sit there and after the parents die, and it's like really sad that she's this is the only person she's got yeah. left, and she's right outside the door. Oh. But and it's, and it's like the the one memory that she has of Elsa that the the rock trolls didn't erase was them building snowman together. The and fun, like, yeah. This is what we want to connect with, and 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 Elsa knows like that is what hurt her. Mm. So saying, do you want to build a snowman? Is like a little bit like triggering for her in the sense of like this is how I hurt the one person I truly loved, and it's just it hurts. And I wish maybe leaned into that a little bit more, and we saw more of Elsa's like longing with that song. I do like that we. Frozen 2 attempts to at least plug a few of the gaps that were missing from this one. So we get more Elsa story. I never needed to know how she got her powers, but at least we're going to get more of her perspective and her journey of it. So I do like that. This is your badness level. So, Spence, you've been waiting the whole time to talk about him. How evil is the villain? In the 2010s, 
Disney had a really good idea of let's make the villain ooh twisty. Uh, and I think, it's, yeah. I think it started with Mother Gothel and Rapunzel, and she's one of the best Disney villains ever. But I don't think there's anything truly repulsive as Hans. Right? I was like Mother, Mother Gothel, I think comes close, but I think I think just this idea of he he comes into it, it, uh, it's not Corona, it's Arendelle. Corona, yes. He comes into Arendelle for this, and he just sees her, and he says, "I know what I have to do." And the movie cheats once, and I hate that cheat because if you cut it, this is a perfect villain. But he's just evil, of like leading her on, how every one of his actions is like motivated by his end goal of killing Elsa and taking over Arendelle. But it's perfect. Like you cannot tell. And I think that if anyone's like, "Oh, I know he's gonna be a villain," shut up. You did not. That is a lie, and you just want to be better than everyone else. And that is not true. Hans is really well written. I don't know if you'd make one of my like my all time like favorite villains list, but in terms of Disney, he is just so captivating, and just his his look at Anna at the very end, and he and she's just like, oh, I and I love you so much, and I and I'm happy you're here for me. It's just, oh, Anna, if only there was someone out there who loved you. Just staggering, one so cutting. One of my favorite Disney lines ever. It yeah. is just that you get hit with that. And honestly, I think it works better on rewatches. Because at first time I was like, oh my God. But just, I think, I think, I think especially as I got older and, I, and, I, and as I've been looking for love more, imagine hearing that from someone who you're like, oh, we're going to get married and this future together and I put everything into this for you. And just in that one moment, it's, I need someone and I'm happy you're here for me. He's like, honey, you saw it? No. <laughs> Gut punch. Absolutely. Well, you just answered like my two biggest questions. Did you <laughs> did you have doubts about Hans throughout the film when you first saw it, or because I didn't see it coming at all? But I I, I wasn't like gasp. I was like, oh, okay, yep, yeah, I see where we're going. But what are your thoughts about the twist? It's it's so good. It is so good, and it, it's it's this. I think it's so hard because Disney's just like ridden that horse like beat the horse to death over the past 10 15 whatever years of just oh we got a villain we don't want you to know who they are though it's a big plot twist the, it's the, gonna be one of the major characters though the villain is gonna be parents <laughs> like I, I just i think there's a, i think there's some traditionalism to this of like he is big over the top evil at the end where he's like oh i'm sorry Anna died. I was just like, oh, oh no. And she's so heartbroken. He's like, oh, it's time your back's turned. <laughs> just <crazy. laughs> and there's something so cartoonish about it, but it's balanced with this genuine, just like unsettlingness of someone who is so eager and ready to manipulate that it's so hard not to just be like captivated. I, I love villains. I think villains are the most interesting characters most of the time. And I'm just captivated by his like just evilness and terribleness. And that's absolutely my second question. Um, since my first watch, I'm always looking now, I'm like, is this good or bad writing with the character? Like, is this set up throughout? Because as you sort of said, they really don't drop any hints throughout. It's not like, and I've written the same parallel, it's not like Mother Gothel only kissing Rapunzel's hair and you're really seeing that manipulation because I'm guessing the one scene you want to cut is the same one scene I want to cut with him in the boat looking after her. It's, he just looks at the horse and smiles. Like this yeah, he looks smitten. Oh, it's so cute. No, I don't understand yeah. why that's the decision you make. Because if you cut it, no one thinks that he's going to be evil. That one, mm, no one would change their mind. It's just, it's cheating your way, way through the movie. It's it's interesting when I'm looking for it now, I'm like, what did they need to put in? What did they didn't they need to put in? Because I like when um, he's really saving the people of Arendelle and building himself up to be the people's hero so that when he takes the throne like I can see all that motivation there so I just I guess is he clever enough to have had this been his plan the whole time you think so that he's come in specifically to overthrow everyone or is he just very opportunistic I, I, I think he definitely came in like look like, if, if you come into somewhere and it's like hey there's no king the queen is gonna be crowned but she doesn't have a husband yet and there's also hmm. a princess like, I think you come into that and you're like, okay, I'm going to look through my window. I'm surprised, I'm, I'm surprised, I guess, I guess the Duke of Wesselton sort of did. But it's like, he just saw an opportunity. I think he went into that. And this 
hunger for power mm. is like he's like I can't give this up I have to kill Elsa I have to trick on and when on when is dying it's like everyone already knows that we're gonna be together if she dies because her sister killed her they need a leader now be it yeah Hans acting is so good especially like when they've revealed that twist and he's saying this all like well we just took our marriage vows and things like that like it is so deadpan serious like whoa <laughs> sociopathic almost <laughs> and the worst part he puts out the fire and on his yeah. hand is not like no stop and he just looks at her I'm like you can't do anything i've won it's disgusting how good he is at just being a horrible person and i agree like when you're making a list of, of classic villains you know i'm thinking your ursulas i'm thinking your maleficence uh things like that so i don't know if hans goes high but he's still such a good villain for this film and it's still a well-written good one. Because as you said, sort of thing, like we've got um, Elsa being the monster almost for a, bit, for a bit of it. And if you think of the traditional, the Snow Queen storyline, that is the, the bad guy. So I like that uh, there's those two different storylines there and we do end, end on that one. I don't know why you saying that just made me think of just like, I can make a Frozen AMV, but it's with, um, I, think it's, I, think it's some, I think it's out there from A Hunchback of Notre Dame, of just who was the monster, who was the man. And yeah, it's, it's Elsa and Hans just being like, "Who's the real bad person?" It's so just, true. I think I think this movie just works so well because it's it's takes and I think this was a lot towards the positive of Anna we talked about earlier. Um, it takes its traditionalism in the Disney storytelling, and then twists it without it just being like we're smarter than you. We 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 are so like we're so ahead of the time. Like it's like. It is adapting to the culture, but it's in a way that doesn't feel forced. It just feels very smart and well put together. Yeah, or not speaking down to you or things like that. Absolutely. Right. Listen well, all of you. Uh, so we've already got maybe some of the best quotes with um, If Only Someone Loved You. That is such a standout. The other one, similar scenes there. Some people are worth melting for. Oh, yeah. Oh. So beautiful. That deserves to be a quote. And maybe like as we were talking about with Olaf, um, it's not fair that it goes in the box because you do get those sort of heartfelt moments yeah. there that round out that character a bit more because that easily could have been a joke and you do get those jokes around it. But the earnestness that Josh Gad delivers that line is beautiful. And that, I, again, I, I, you could tell, I have that line too. Uh, and I think I do think it's just really sweet of like, it's, I, I, I think the more I watch Disney, the more I notice the structure of it of like like every time you go to into, go to into like a, a pitch meeting here is the skeleton we need you to follow but there's just such a way that this film like masters it of like this is done so smart th so well done that his his moment of sacrifice something like i knew was coming but he sells it and it's just so so good yeah my other quote, and I say that in air quotes, it's, I guess it's more of a scene, but it's not big enough. Um, Anna falls in the water and her dress freezes and she just walks with her arms like this and she's cold, 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 cold. And that is something I imitate so frequently, like getting out of bed to have to get a drink, cold, 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 especially now that's when I'm walking around the house with that. So I just, not, not a, a quote per se, but one that I frequent. What are some of your other quotes that made your list? I'm looking through a few of them right now, and I think I get back back to the Hans because Hans is just so good. His like on is like you can't get away with this, and he turns around, smarmy smile. It's like oh, I already have. Close the door. Uh, it's just just disgusting. I want to just like kick that man in the shins. I hate him so much. <laughs> so good. But it's it's realistic as well. It's it's a little mustachy twirly, but it is the sort of comeback like you would say to people in real life, you know. I have three, and I, and I used them. All, I used two of them already for other things, and then you said the third one. <laughs> no, that's okay. If there's no more quotes, that's it. I don't. I don't think of this movie as a big quote movie. To be fair, like there's those key scenes, but it's it's just good dialogue. But it's not like the things that became a moment. If that makes sense. I I, I oh I remember this. Um, it was a small interaction of just. Your hair is turning white. Does it look bad? No? You hesitated. You hesitated! <laughs> oh, so true to life. I'm not myth. The man is a genius. Practically perfect in every way. 
And so is there anything we didn't hit in the film? Like, is there anything we didn't end up touching on throughout? I I don't think, I, I think just little moments here and there. I'm just like, I think like Sven constantly trying to eat Olaf's nose and he just, he doesn't realize what's happening. We're talking about Marshmallow, which is just like, a, oh honestly, like when I think back on it, it's like, it's such a random addition. Or when I watch the film, it's a random addition, but I think back on it, it's like, it's so much fun. And especially yeah. like, I think, oh, I forget what it is. But then, like the end credit scene of the film is just like him just hanging out in the ice castle. He's like, I don't know what to do. And then I keep bringing up Frozen 2 because it's so good. But then Olaf is recounting the story stuff and he's just like sitting there all happy about it. And he just loves getting caught up in everything. And it's just, it's just, it's a random addition that should just like be really stupid and out of nowhere. But I just love just like his vibe when he's not like big scary monster man. Absolutely. Uh, something I think of, and we've touched on it a little bit briefly, you said, like, the animation in this film is really beautiful. The animation and the colour scheme that they're able to create. So that scene where, like, Elsa's running out of the palace and she's walking on the lake and it's freezing under her feet. That scene's just beautifully done. And I just love, <laughs> I'm similar, like, how can you not keep talking about Frozen 2? But this is our winter film and then Frozen 2 is, like, our autumn feel. So I just, I'm always a fan of colorscapes and, and what you're bringing. Three, we get a summer film where the whole area is all off singing in summer but with like a big like orchestra behind him. I think, I think the, and this isn't an insult, so I think it's, I, I think it's simple, but it doesn't, it doesn't go for a lot of like big swings of like, oh, this big twist to the formula, but it's, it, it, it masters the simplicity of it takes the structure set by, again, like Little Mermaid, Aladdin, and just, knowing how to in Pocahontas, like, like taking the structure of Disney princess films and making one with like almost no fat. And like, this is like, this is the, you need, like, this is the bar, match the bar. And the bar is really high. We've had some great films of the 20, 2010s. And um, I think it's unfair that this one gets compared to Tangled a lot, but I can see the similarities. So if we've sort of really kicked off the modern Disney Renaissance with Tangled, like, as you said, this is the bar, this is that next level. So everything's going to match from here. And we've had some great films. So I love this one. Spence, thank you so much for coming on today and giving me your thoughts with Frozen. I've had an absolute fun time with this one. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TemeQFilmNerd. It's Temeq with a K. You, also, you can also find me on Opening Night Trivia, uh, where Kelly is an absolute monster. Uh, and is really good at the game, and I like seeing her play. She picks a lot of Disney films, and also Rummy Michelle's High School Reunion, which is mid. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that's really... Oh, and picture this! Picture this! Where I'm every single Best Picture winner, and it sucks. Oh my god, don't do it. It's just because you're in the 30s at the moment. It's going to get better. <laughs> Bro, I don't, I don't need to watch Cimarron and Cavalcade. Where they <laughs> no one does. Man, like that's that's most of the best picture winners of the pre forties, probably even the forties. It's just really racist and sexist, and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today, and we will see you all next time. And when you come to the end, <laughs> stop. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Doing Disney. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Doing Disney Podcast and Twitter at Doing Disney Pod.